0: Howdy, everybody, and welcome to Hey, Watch This. Uh, I am not Paul. Paul is not here. Paul is on assignment. It's just me, David. Except, no, it's not. I've got two guests. Uh, if you followed us over here from the Battleship Retention episode on our, uh, about WonderCon, uh, this is the second part of it where we're going to talk just TV, and there was a lot to talk about, so let's jump right into it. Joining me this, this time around are Terrence Johnson. Hello. And Matt Patterson. Hello. How's it, how you guys been doing since, uh, since we recorded that Battleship Retention episode? Decent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Dude,
2: oh. A box of tissue has migrated to near where I'm sitting. <laughs>
1: really, because uh, while you guys were out, I went out, um, I wrote a novel. Uh-huh. I didn't like it. I threw it away. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm already like, kind of halfway done rewriting it. Oh, okay. I'm not going to tell you the rest. You're of not going to tell it. me what the novel's no. about? Uh, yes. It's about a boy. Uh Uh-huh. And what's it called? It's called A Boy. (laughs) All right. And A Robot. A Boy and A Robot. Yeah, that's it. And I don't know where that came from, but if you heard us talking about Iron Giant from the last podcast, it's nothing like that.
0: I
2: was going to say, it sounds like an (laughs) (laughs) underappreciated film that I have heard about.
0: So, um... We did general WonderCon stuff in the Battleship Retention episode, so you guys, listeners at home, if you want to hear more about WonderCon, you can check that out there. This is just going to be pure, unadulterated TV panel talk. Um, let's start with Friday. What did you guys do on Friday, Terrence? I know you have a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, I, I did a couple of panels. Uh, Shadowhunters and, and Stitchers, um, to Freeform now, no longer ABC Family uh, shows. Um, Stitchers, which I knew nothing about, until the day of, uh-huh. I had never heard of it. Um, but it sounded very, very interesting, and the panel was great. It's always nice to pop into something like that where you're like, what in the world is this? Um, it's about a girl who can stitch herself into dead people and use their memories to solve crimes. Um, yeah.
0: That's, that's kind of like iZombie, yeah, right? Yeah, and,
2: and they make fun of that in the second okay. season. that it's like, oh, she didn't have to eat any brains or something. A joke, sort of along those lines. Uh Um, But, you know, it was cool hearing them talk about their their characters. They didn't know if they were going to get a second season, so they were pretty happy to be there. But Shadowhunters was the big one.
0: And Um, what is Shadowhunters?
2: Shadowhunters is... Do you remember that Mortal Instruments City of Bones movie?
0: I was at the WonderCon panel for that.
2: (laughs) Um, It is based on the books that that movie was based on. It is leagues better than that film was. The film was awful and horrible in every way. (laughs) Um, And this made some much, much needed improvements. I think it really helped that they were able to stretch the story out over a TV runtime versus trying to cram the book into like a two-hour movie. Um, Because there's a lot of twists and turns. In particular, there's this humongous reveal, like really, really shocking reveal um, because the panel happened between episode 11 and 12, so the big reveal happened at episode 11, um, which I don't want to spoil because it is so crazy that I want everybody to just watch Shadowhunters and, <laughs> and witness it. Um, but yeah, it was really great to have all the cast. They, they showed a clip um, from an episode titled Malik, which is where these two characters, Magnus and Alec, who fans really, really like, uh, Alec is getting married to a woman, but he's really in love with Magnus. And the clip that they showed was from the wedding, where Magnus basically bursts in, and is like, "I'll leave when your son asks me to." And I was like, "That was a great way to get, you know, me energized." I don't think I've ever yelled so loud uh, during a panel. Um, but yeah, that panel was great. They brought it was so it was great, and then it turned like really random because they, McGee, uh, who directed the pilot and is an EP oh. on the show, brought up some random girl to kiss one of the actors like in the middle they were just answering another question he's like who wants to kiss jace and everybody was like what and then she was sitting up there for the rest of the panel which i thought was pretty funny um so yeah that was sort of the big thing earlier in the day and then preacher
0: yeah let's let's put a pin in preacher yeah uh did you see anything on friday tv wise no no okay let's move on to preacher (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll talk briefly about Preacher because I um, read some of the comics when I was young and then um, gave up because I f- feel like they're not as good as they're given credit for. Personally, I think uh, Garth Ennis tends to be a little too too glib and uh, with his uh, with the violence and a little show offy with the dialogue, but I know it has a cult following and I was familiar enough with the uh, the the first couple years I guess of the comic that I was interested to see it and I'm happy to report the pilot's great I think
2: yes I, I loved it
0: yeah uh, had you had you read the the comic I had no
2: had knowledge it? of it other than I heard that they were making a show out of it <laughs> and there was a character called r space
0: yes there's a character called r space which I
2: thought they did a great job with that I, I saw the picture from the comic and I'm like I'm so glad that they did the design that they did in the show because there's no way that character would have connected.
0: Yes, Ar- Space. for those who don't know, is a, uh, a I guess a teenage boy or a young adult who yeah. um, tried to kill himself by uh, putting a gun in his mouth and he shot his jaw off Ooh. and survived, but his scar tissue has sort of bunched together at the bottom of his, <laughs> <laughs> his head. And it kind of makes it look like, like an a, face, Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, they did do a, a pretty good job with that. What uh, What network is that on? AMC. AMC. It's going to be on AMC. I haven't, yeah, I haven't really... I've I've seen a little bit about
1: it, but I haven't really... Well, that sounds like fun.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, uh, I went back I, and reread the first couple issues of the comic, and then I was like, yeah, I remember why I stopped reading <laughs> this. But um, they, they're really changing a lot, or... I don't know how much they're changing so much as like they're changing the order of how they're getting the story across. And there are some major things that didn't come up at all, um, in the pilot. And I, so I don't, I don't know if they're pushing those further down the line or, um, excising them all together. But I, I do like that they're making that it's produced by, um, Seth Rogen and, uh, Evan Goldberg. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I believe the pilot was directed by those two as yeah, well, right? Yeah, they directed right? it, yeah. Um and they did a good job there. But I I like that they're making it their own story, you know what I mean? So they it's a pa- it is do you think it's like
1: a passion project for them but Yeah, I think yeah, they've been
2: trying to get it made for like 5 or 6 years now.
1: Yeah, I think it was at HBO at one point maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But you feel it's like kind of a li- uh, not too liberal adaptation because it because you said you went back to the comics. That's the kind of thing I do is like I'll be like Let me see the source material. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm always interested about how people adapt stuff and what they take and what they don't take. And people who are near and dear to me have to hear me compare it to the source material all the time until they want to throw me out the window. (laughs) But, Um, yeah, I I find that a fascinating process because, like, you know, uh, uh, any kind of book, especially comics, but with comics, it's like, do they look at the whole run of it, try to pick their best things, or do they actually go with the... The story as told,
0: uh, yeah, and it seems like it's. Um, they're. It seems like they're getting across the, the better parts of the tone, and um, establishing character, which is. I, I yeah, will give Garth Ennis credit that uh, the these characters are very well established in the comic book, but the, the the comic series, the the premise, the base, like page one, or or at least a few pages into issue one, the idea is that this creature this sort of heavenly entity has escaped heaven and found a host which is this preacher and and by taking up residence in his body has given him the voice of god whereas if he tells someone to do something they do it yes that's that happened most most the first half of what i said you don't even really get the backstory of in the pilot and him becoming possessed happens in the last act essentially maybe the second to last act um, there's a whole lot of establishment yeah, of the characters surprised
2: me a lot because i I am familiar sort of with like that synopsis, mm-hmm. and so as I was watching it, I was like, okay, so when is the moment where <laughs> right. like he is gonna do this and it and I mean he doesn 't get possessed until the end of the fourth act, like at the earliest I think it was like maybe ten minutes yeah if that after that, and so which I thought was really, you know, interesting way to do the pilot because you're introducing us to all these characters and we're seeing how they're all going to interact. Um, and then he sort of is at his lowest moment and he gets possessed. And then it leads to one of the craziest.
0: Well, that's, I, mean, I don't want to give away what it is, yeah, but I will it, say it the way insane. that we learn that he has this yes. power is different from the comic. It's um in so, it's in some ways subtler because he's only affecting one person instead of a whole group of people, but it's also insane yeah. and uh, darkly hilarious. Uh, again, it pays I
2: don't something that was annoying me, you know, throughout yeah. the 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 pilot. But then I was like, oh no, that was a yeah, that was a small yes.
0: And the the character in question is played by um, comedian actor Brian Husky, oh. um, who's yeah, great in oh. everything. Mm. Um, so uh, I I was really pleasantly surprised um, with yeah. w- with uh,
2: I love that I learned how to make a homemade bazooka.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really uh, I don't know that actress who plays how Tulip do you, uh,
2: with cornshine um, cans and some duct tape.
0: Huh. Yeah, uh,
2: Ruth Nega, She was on Agents of Shield. Oh okay, um, which is where most people will know her from. And she's okay. in the new movie, Loving, with uh, what's-his-face from Joel Edgerton.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I am happy to report that uh, Preacher's really good, yeah. um, and I'm actually looking forward to, to watching it. Um, I don't know if this is something my wife will be interested in if I'll be watching it alone <laughs> after she goes to sleep, but we'll, we'll see how you that goes. use the voice of God to command her <laughs> to <laughs> enjoy
2: it. Well, you've got to be careful. You have to choose your words wisely.
0: Yes. 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 As these characters, it, come it does have out. a sort of yeah. a monkey's paw type of thing where oh, he. <laughs> there's a cost. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to Saturday. Any TV stuff? I went to the
2: showrunners panel. Okay. Uh, the TV guide puts on. Um, I think this is like the fifth time doing it, and I really like panels. I, I went that one, and then I went to Marvel Psychology of Marvel TV. um But the showrunners panel was great because Damon Lindelof was on it. And even though he irks me so much, I've been fascinated by what he has to say, um, about anything TV related. Um, and we had Melissa Rosenberg who's showrunning, um, Jessica Jones. We had the woman, Allie Adler from Supergirl. It was just like a really, really well put together panel. And they talked a lot about, you know, getting notes from the studio and, uh, how, what it's like to even be a showrunner and what are some of the tough decisions that they make. Um, the Scott Gimble, I think it is, the showrunner of The Walking Dead, okay. was there too. And everybody, he, the host sort of mentioned something Negan-related and everybody like shuddered in the room because they're all so terrified of that character coming in and what it's going to mean for the show. So that was a really fun thing that like you wouldn't get that out in just like a... Right. A regular panel, but at the, with this crowd, they were like hanging on every word.
0: Well, I just learned that it's pronounced Negan. I was saying Negan. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently, <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's one thing you learn at uh, conventions when people yeah. read stuff. You learn uh, knowing is half the battle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it is. Yeah. But it was it was fun. But yeah, hearing Damon Lindelof talk about the leftovers and versus like his experience on this show versus you know Lost um, have been very very different. Uh, And he was like, yeah, we went to HBO and we said, hey, you know, we want to tell this complete three season story. And they let us. And I was like, it must be nice to be you that you can go to like the network and be like, I just want to end it right now. It's like an Aaron Sorkin thing. He did the same thing with the newsroom. Um, But that was after the fact that they were like, we don't know how many more seasons you'll get. Yeah. So that was great. But the psychology of Marvel TV was a lot of fun Um, because we had you had writers from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter, Daredevil and Jessica Jones as well as, like, an actual psychologist on the panel. Did they fight? Uh, No, they're all pretty good friends, it seems, because they've all written for... It's it's crazy because they've all written for sort of the other shows. Uh So it's like somebody... um, Jose Molina wrote on Agent Carter, and I think he was on Daredevil in the first season. So it was like, that must be a weird thing. Like, these are so... These are, like, really, really disparate sort of TV universes and how they're approaching style, but the writers hop from show to show... And then the psychologist, if any of you have seen Jessica Jones, she was like, I couldn't find anything redeeming in Killgrave. (laughs) Because they were talking about, you know, redeemability in your characters. Um, So that's, I I kind of like WonderCon a lot for that. Like, they'll give you exactly the panel that you want. They'll be like, we're going to throw this one weird element into it. Like having a psychologist there to be like, oh, like these are, you know, Jessica Jones is going through this. And this is the reason why she's (laughs) going through this. And it was like, oh, like the writers are definitely, are doing a good job.
0: Um, (laughs) I think you make a good point about WonderCon TV panels or maybe panels in general, as opposed to uh, San Diego. Because San Diego is so much people are expecting something big. They want to be shown footage. And I feel like people have more... The panel itself ends up often being more fun at WonderCon because people are there with lowered expectations and they're just there to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh you know I remember and these are
1: talented people who yeah, you yeah, yeah.
0: don't get to see that often
1: or if you see them interviewed on a show or something it's just one of them but like as you were describing that the TV guide panel I was like oh that's really cool and that's like such an opportunity you don't get to see on TV or or anywhere but a a place like this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, last year I went to both the WonderCon and Comic-Con panels for The Last Man on Earth, and the WonderCon one was yes. so much fun. Huh. They're just, like, having a good time, and yeah. he was, like... You, I don't know if you were there last year when he was... Uh, someone asked him if he still remembered all the... I don't know if you watched Last Man on Earth, but the balls with faces on them, he still remembered all their names, and oh. he ran off all, all of their names. It was, like, a fun time. Hmm. And then, like, a few months later at Comic-Con, he's just like, yeah, so we're right in the second season, uh, we don't <laughs> have anything to show, like... Uh, You know, a lot
1: more, uh, executives and stuff show up, like there's a lot of expectations, uh, from the network and stuff for Comic-Con. Right. And so that does make people nervous and, and you can, you can see that.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's great because like, particularly for the psychology of sort of Marvel TV, it was, it's not just like a right, like, Oh, you write for Marvel TV and like these are the characters that you have on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and yada, yada, yada. It was like, okay, so when you're thinking about, like, these characters and putting them in these situations, like, what's the thought process behind it? What's it like to be in the writer's room? Are you cognizant of these many issues? Because they talked a lot about Daredevil, you know, being seen as, like, um, for people with disabilities, like, really, really loving that character because, you know, he's blind and other senses, he can sort of see uh, the world on fire. But, I mean... And that was a great thing. So, like, they're very cognizant of that as they're putting their characters through these different situations and thinking about how to like move the shows forward.
1: And it was all from that specific part of the Marvel universe yeah. too. So, it, it tied it all together in a way that you don't normally see. And the, and those those are the kinds of panels I I appreciate too because yeah. it's it's taking because they could just be like, hey, it's sh- writers from these various shows. What do you do? I write. Do you like that? Yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. Next, right? Yeah. But but this way there, you almost get to see how the writers approach the material, even though it's all in the same universe and the different little ways. You you kind of get, it's not necessarily insight into the writers' room, but into the process, which that is that yeah. is cool.
0: Yeah. Um, anything else on Saturday? Uh, I have I have one thing that I guess technically counts as TV. Um, and I was just there because it was in between New Line and um, the Justice League Teen Titans movie, but it ended up being a fun panel. It was for Con Man, which is a mm-hmm. uh, web series that Alan Tudyk and Nathan mm-hmm. Fillion do, um, uh, where uh, that's very you know self-referential. Uh, I don't know if you know the backstory of Con Man. It's that Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion were on a uh, much beloved but uh, quickly canceled sci-fi show. Um, but in this world Nathan Fillion's character has gone on to be a big famous actor uh-huh. and Alan Tudyk has – this is the be- the best thing he's ever done. Right. <laughs> and so he makes his living now going to conventions and he's bitter. That's the premise of the show. But the show, the Firefly stand-in within Con Man is uh-huh. called Spectrum and what they were there at WonderCon to promote is that they are coming out with a comic book series of Spectrum. Oh. It's essentially going to oh, be oh, like wow. the episodes where so – that's, that's what they're promoting – but they kind of promoted that, got out of the way, and then uh, the most of it was just Q&A, and Alan Tudyk is great at that. Yeah. And so it ended up being um, a really fun time, and they showed uh, uh, a blooper reel, and they uh, are going to be on free comic book day, which is coming up at uh, the beginning of May. Um, you can get Spectrum number zero for free uh, at your local cool. comic book store. Uh, I will say, this is Hey, Watch This, so we have to do a trivia question every week. Cool. Oh, jeez. Um, this is more for it's the yours. listeners, but if you guys know it, then the listeners don't have to answer it. Um, Alan Tudyk, the actor, has done, since starting Con Man, he did an episode of a TV show where he was credited not as Alan Tudyk, but as his character for Con Man. Ah. So, um, the, the trivia question is, can you name the show? Do you guys <laughs> have any guesses?
2: Uh, uh,
0: uh, family Feud. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's that's yeah, the trivia zero. question. Uh, that's the <laughs> trivia question. This that's week. a good one. Though. Um, I kind of forgot that I was supposed to do a trivia question because usually Paul uh, keeps me on, on track for that sort of thing. That's not even a, that's like a double check on
1: IMDb because it's like you can't just go the obvious. I, I, I figured out how to
0: solve it. Yeah, for you people at home. But well, I, that's clever. I made yeah. it difficult by, by not saying the character's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so you have to yeah. look yeah. up the character's to, right. name and then yeah. control F now for Now you're uh, telling them how to do it. Well, whoever gets it first gets a prize, I guess. I don't, I'm assuming Paul's still sending prizes.
1: You made this wonderful, or your wife made this wonderful popcorn that yeah. I've been eating through the last two episodes. If you've been listening carefully, and this <laughs> but, would be a good prize.
0: <laughs> so, so uh, Okay, if you get that right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe my wife will make you some popcorn. Yeah, it's, Sunday, not gonna oh, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But we'll it's see. It's good though. All right, um, should we move on then to Sunday? Sunday, because you have some big stuff to talk about. Oh, Terrence God. doesn't, because uh, for those who didn't listen to the last episode, <laughs> <laughs> Terrence stayed home in bed and I did. didn't come to the convention. On Sunday. you watch TV
1: on Sunday?
2: <laughs> I, I did. Yes, I had to catch up on a lot of shows.
1: There's a lot of shows. Um, well, on Sunday. Uh, I was a uh, part of uh, three panels in a row and the uh, first two panels were on animation, uh, t- mostly TV animation. The first one is uh, one that we've done. This was the fourth time we've done it. It's called, it was called ToonStock. stock. And uh, it's, it's an hour long at WonderCon, and we spend about the first 20 minutes uh, showing uh, different sort of musical clips. And this year, it was themes to Saturday morning cartoons. But they're actually kind of fun music. And we had uh one of the composing partners uh who wrote uh he he wrote I think the Batman Brave and the Bold theme. So I was like, you know, so it's sort of like, what do you think of when you have to do a theme? And of course, the especially the classic series is you, you had a full minute to establish your show and now it's like you're lucky if you get fifteen seconds to kind of set it up because apparently everybody wants plot now uh-huh. <laughs> uh, or commercials. <laughs> and and so, but that's fun because we did ones from the and pretty obscure ones from the 70s, 80s and then we got into the 90s and we found that the uh, people who show up love the 90s stuff yeah. uh, because it doesn't really get as much love as the 70s or 80s stuff which even though it's kind of, but, but the 90s is an interesting era in cartoons because there was the the shift from broadcast and Saturday morning to cable and that's when hanna-barbera in the mid 90s stopped making new uh, material like they had been bought by Turner and then uh, when Warner Brothers bought them they they shut down the studios and it sort of more went to the cartoon Network uh, but when we like what do we show uh Oh, we showed Swat Cats, which uh, has <laughs> a lot of guitar. Uh, we showed, um, what else from the 90s? Oh, th- there's a Dumb and Dumber cartoon, which not many people remember, which is wow. pretty weird. And, yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, see, like that's, <laughs> that's kind of the funny. And the, the late 80s and the early 90s were sort of this first era uh, where uh, the people who wrote and made cartoons... Uh, irony st- started to you know because Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse from like which started I guess in like eighty six, uh-huh. its DNA started to infect the other cartoons. And it
0: was an animated
1: Pee Wee series as well. Yeah. I, know, I remember from when I was a kid. In eight, I think like eighty eight was when that came out. And so uh, and then we we also have the um, the misadvent the incredible misadventures of um, Ed Ed Grimley. Which was this really weird late '80s cartoon? Uh, and, but it was so far ahead of its time, and it had like kind of a live action mix, like uh, almost like sketch comedy, but for kids. And all this stuff wouldn't have been really possible without like Pee Wee, sort of one, and then two, like kind of the Simpsons, because the, the Simpsons yeah started to infect the cartoons, and of course John Kay's cartoons,
0: uh, like Ren and yeah. Stimpy. So, but yes. but, but, but that I mean, there was always, I guess, a little. I mean, the Looney Tunes always had irony uh, to yes, them. Yes, um, very so much there, so. There's already that that DNA. But I do remember you're just reminding me of all these. There were so many cartoon series when I was a kid based on popular movies. Yep. There was a there was a Bill and Ted's animated yep. series. Uh, I think there was even like a. Um, Did the new kids on the block have a, have a, Oh, that's a a, a series. I feel like maybe they did. I feel like they they did. And KOTBs. I don't, I I I don't remember remember that. I also remember one, this was, I was getting a little too old, so I didn't watch that much of it, but there was a Casper, the animated series specifically based on the live action movie Casper. Um, and they did an episode that I, it was like clearly over the target audience's head, because it was after Pulp Fiction had come out. Right. Where if they did an episode where a director named, and I remember this specifically, Taryn Quintantino <laughs> was shooting a movie at the Haunted Mansion or whatever right. in Casper. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know where I was going with that other than no, I guess that's the irony you're talking about. But
1: Yeah. That's, and it's crazy that happened. That would go, get in there and you either got it or you didn't get it. I mean – um, there there was a lot of i mean animaniacs is probably uh oh. the most like it it was squarely for kids but it was written by these people uh most of the cast a lot of the cast member uh, cast members and writers from uh the groundlings were in it so its cleverness quotient was much higher than normal and mm-hmm. because of like all of these sort of cultural changes at the time they they were allowed in but when you compare that to like the stuff from the mid 80s, it's the mid 80s is like another world because they, it wasn't the 70s, which like, and like we we showed clips from this show Devlin, which was uh, a Joe Barbera special, but it was supposed to be a live action show. So, but then he was like, well, let's just make it a cart, the 11 episodes, which they could repeat over and over again. And it's like Evil Knievel, right, <laughs> who is like the pop culture du jour, you know, like moment. And uh, and then they would just run those to death. But in the 80s, we showed the um, the Centurions, which is like based off of a toy property. And they made, and those weren't for Saturday morning, that was for the afternoon. And in one year, uh, the writers came up with 60 episodes. Oh. Like, wow. like they just like cranked those out, right? But they... And then, because they did a, a test of five, five of them first. And they were like, this works, that's a full day, you know, full week. And then they're like, okay, let's do a year's worth. And then they just, you know, crank these all out and the people were writing as fast as they could. And you can tell. <laughs> uh, and there was like very little sense to the order, although some people sort of had it, but they, you know, it was just like a factory. And then when you compare that to... You know, stuff from 10 years later, It it's kind of come back again and uh, intelligence starts to sort mm-hmm. of re- – although there were intelligent people putting those things together, it was very nakedly for selling toys, which weirdly is still there. But uh, it's like there's a sophistication to this corporate product now that uh, – it's It's almost like sometimes it's more artistic than anybody ever intended. I sort of kind of say that about the Lego movie I mean I know uh-huh. I'm, I'm going okay. I'm going off now, but the Lego movie was something that you know it, there's a very obvious corporate commercial tie in for toys, but I personally found it very intelligent it has a wonderful really? ending, and it's a great movie, and it's almost like how did that happen right yeah. like how, how but they they got this like through all of that commercial they got this like very touching movie through that and that's uh that's that says something about the talent of the filmmakers yeah. uh putting putting it together that they can sort of transcend that and anyway so whew, we did uh that <laughs> and then we did a sing along to a Batman Brave and the Bold episode called um it's a Music Meister episode. Uh, uh, Menace of the Music Meister. Ooh, see, I'm totally forgetting off the top of my head. And you probably should have learned it by now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I should have. I, don't, I have no notes. Can you tell? Um, but the uh, the composers who wrote the theme, they were asked by because uh, they just came up with this episode idea to write a full musical episode, and they did it not like in a sing-songy way, but it's. It's got uh, it. It's like a musical, and then we put up the lines. You know, sort of like karaoke, and then we have the fans come and sing along to it. And these are not easy songs to sing along to, so it's actually kind of entertaining to hear that.
0: <laughs> it was I. I was late to this panel. This has nothing to do with TV, but this is a very uh, WonderCon or just con type of experience. I went to. Um, Grab uh, some lunch slash margaritas before the panel. My WonderCon experience was brought to you by margaritas, <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, and I met this this couple or this guy and this girl. I don't know if they're together. Love co- cosplayers, and she was dressed as Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Uh-huh. And we ended up talking about like like. Indie and web comics uh-huh. for so long that I was like, I, I ended up missing a lot of this panel because I had a just sat at the bar with Bell from and the Beast* talking about feminist indie comics.
1: Uh, I found myself doing weird <laughs> things like that. Um, what's fun about this panel is it's repeatable. We just kind of changed the cartoons at the beginning. Yeah. And the Batman. I love *Batman: Brave and the Bold*. Which uh, in the last one, I, I was sort of talking about the malleability of, of Batman and the fact that mm-hmm. Batman can be. Comedic, and it's based off of the Brave and Bold comics from the 60s, uh, there's some Batman fans who find it weird yeah. uh, or off-putting, but uh, you know, he's fighting the music master in this who's voiced by Neil Patrick Harris, who is great, and then they managed to, in this musical, there's a love story, there's Batman fighting a villain, and then there, there's Neil Patrick Harris singing. I mean, you, you kind of can't go wrong. And this is the fourth time we've done it. The last time we did it was at Comic Con and it was because uh Robert Kirkman hurt himself and he couldn't make it to Comic Con. So they called uh our publicist Gary. I'm in the room with them and they're like, Yeah, we've got uh Robert Kirkman, like, hurt himself. He's got to go into surgery or something. I, I, I didn't hear this part of the conversation. I just heard, Do you have something that we can fit in a thousand person room? And he goes, Thousand person room? Well, let me think. We could get Andrew Romano and talk. And I go, Don't stop. stop. And so we show up. It's a thousand people. And, and they think they're there to they see Robert think they're Kirkman? There. Yeah, for Walking Dead. <laughs> Only two people walked out when we told them what they were going to see. And uh, it was... We had Michael Jelnick there who uh, does um, Teen Titans Go. And we had um, Gray Griffiths who does one of the voices. She she sings in it. She's very funny. Uh, It was like probably the one time in my life where there are like a thousand people standing like screaming. Like they were so... Uh, taken aback. I imagine being them being like, I don't know, I came to see Walking Dead, but I saw a singing Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was just so much fun. And then after that, we
0: did a panel which we found out later
1: had the highest attendance of that day
0: uh, I'm glad I was there It was a, it was a fun time Even though I'm not familiar with the properties you were well, talking about
1: Yeah, and that, but that's that's good I actually like that when yeah. people can come and have a good time And it, you know, with the clips and stuff Makes you want to see it But we, we came up with this kind of funny idea Because we have uh, Blu-rays that we put out For um, Justice League Unlimited And um, Young Ju- Young Justice <sighs> Uh, and so we've done podcasts with uh, the guys and, and cast members of Young Justice, and we've done some stuff with uh, the JLU series. We uh, we had Susan Eisenberg on a panel before, but we got uh, Kevin Conroy, who I had not met before this. And so we had Batman, right? Yeah.
0: And so that's something. Can I point out yeah. something that I think a lot of people, when you think of like who has played Batman, yeah. right? People talk about, obviously, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney. Adam Banner, West. Banner. Yeah, but you forget that like Jason Amara and Kevin Conroy yep. are Batman just as much as yeah. they are. And to hear him and Susan Eisenberg talk about Wonder Woman, like yep. they clearly uh, put themselves and have a lot of uh, investment in these characters just as much as the people we see on the big screen.
1: And they've inhabited those characters yeah. for longer.
0: Yeah, that's and true. for people
1: of a certain age... Kevin Conroy is their Batman you know like depending on and I mean it can depend on how old you are or where you come in or where you discover Batman you sort of it's also like kind of like Doctor Who like it's like who is your first Batman and he is Batman to a huge swath of people and there are certain people kind of in the industry who who overlook that but you were there I mean like it was like we had a superstar yeah and he performed it to the hilt. Yeah. And the idea for this panel, though, was that we it was called uh, young. It was called uh, Justice League v. Young Justice because yeah. you know the verses is in the air, and we just kind of came up with like uh, clips, you know, that just sh- sort of showed d- different approaches of of the two of the two shows. Now, a number of years separated the two shows, and this is kind of what I found interesting uh, that and you sort of saw how well in my opinion young justice is a, it's a pretty advanced story uses advanced storytelling yeah, uh to get you know and it's got the, its fight scenes and stuff but it really tackles a lot of uh kind of heavy issues uh but of course justice league has the classic characters doing you know facing the classic battles and so kind of putting these kind of clips side by side and trying to get the people to talk about it turned out not to really be more like the Democratic or the Republican debates, but more like everybody being like, oh no, you're the best. No, you're the best. <laughs> no, you're the best. And uh, Greg Weissman, who uh, was one of the showrunners for Young Justice, is like, where's the debate? Why isn't anybody?
0: I don't even know what these clips mean. <laughs> They're just good clips, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know we're not here necessarily to show for Warner Archive. But, oh no, uh, sorry, you, but I'm, you can I just happen to be there.
1: But no, you can get these. Uh, these are these all Blu-rays, Ray. and you I kinda, can get I, them on the Amazon. Yes, this um, made me want to, uh, to these, check them out. The, I mean, because you were saying you're a Young Justice fan. Yeah, I mean,
2: I'm almost done with the second season.
1: Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like a sophisticated show. It is. Do you, now, are you watching them on Netflix, or do you Netflix. have the Blu-rays? If you have the Blu-rays <laughs> you would hear the commentary tracks that I helped uh produce uh-huh. and if you go to the Warner Archive podcast you can hear the podcast that we have with Greg Weisman yeah, and the yeah. characters uh talking about the uh oh, oh in the and the, and in the commentary tracks there are tears let me just say i mean it tears. was <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's strong and the fans yeah. any of the young justice panels like i've i've watched i've gone I went to a, a panel I wasn't involved with, but I got to see it was uh, 30 people involved in Young Justice at Long Beach Comic Con. Wow. It was wow. the most unmanageable panel. Yeah, I <laughs> but, fa- I mean, like, what an interesting show and how it's put together and how tight, how tight yeah. it is and how much fun. And it's, it's very, uh, it's approachable for the kids, but it, it, it's adult. It's adult yeah. in nature, but without being, like, violent.
2: Yeah, I think that's cool because I know uh, my roommate, when I first started watching the show, would be like, Oh, do you know who's voicing that character? Oh, do you know who's voicing that character? And so he is very much of that sort of group where it's like, Oh, like this person is. So, like Mark Hamill, Mm -hmm. you know, even though we've lived through like the Heath Ledger and the Jack Nicholson Jokers, he'd be like, Mark Hamill is the person that he uh, associates most with that character. Or Bruce Greenwood, who plays Batman and Young Justice, uh, which I find really. Really fascinating. So it's it's cool to see that other people uh, have that sort of same thing.
1: It's um, you know I DC animation uh, not a I mean because I I just always get excited when people who are into fine films and television discover uh, what they're doing because when the show was on Cartoon Network it was on th- these are on at like a weird time yeah uh, you know and a lot of people have discovered it through. Home video and Netflix and stuff like that, and and uh, the popularity continues to grow, and people really would like to see a season three of Young Justice. Yeah,
2: I uh, yeah, I'm, which, I'm in that camp.
1: You know, and uh, let let the
0: market be
1: heard. That's my capitalist.
0: <laughs> well, if that's yeah, th- if that's uh, what hey, watch this can do. Let's uh, <laughs> let's start the the revolution here. Everybody, send. Uh, what should they send? Uh, you know, it, it's... Just so like people, send, people saved it. Jericho by sending peanuts. You guys remember that? <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: you know, I think they you Saved Chuck
0: by going to Subway. M- money talks, that's all I'm saying. So I, I, what I'm saying is what should people be sending the Warner Brothers? Uh, buy the Blu-rays. Okay, there you go. Okay. <laughs> um, Anything else you guys wanted to talk about, WonderCon-wise? Uh, it, you know, uh, we've
1: talked so much about WonderCon, I've enjoyed reliving it almost as much as yeah. I was yeah. uh, being there. This is a lot less exhausting.
2: Yeah, that's
1: true. <laughs> and there's snacks? Yeah, these yes. snacks are high quality. I hope that uh, everybody hearing it can
0: imagine the fun that homemade popcorn can really be. <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for coming and talking to WonderCon. Uh, Where can people find you, Terrence?
2: Uh, You can find me at Lenoir Tour. That's L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R on Twitter and LenoirTour.com. And I'm also on AwardCircuit.com.
0: And Matt? Mr.
1: Matt Patterson. You put a little at symbol in front of that in your favorite uh, social media application, and you may or may not find me.
0: Okay, and you can find me at Battleship Pretension. That's where this podcast and all the other podcasts are. And follow me on Twitter at Pretension. Um, and until next time, watch this.
1: Batman. Always Batman. Always driving villains back. He always has a sidekick. Some boy wonder at his call. His utility belt holds everything. Can't find that at the mall. The Batmobile is super fast. There is no car that is surpassed. It's a good thing we've got Arkham, cause he really drives us bats. Drives us fast, drives us fast. He really drives us bats, fast, fast. He drives us fast. We're the dancing, the bat to see. Or using an array of tools He's always got the answers He makes us look like fools He's got no superpowers He's just a flying rat It's a good thing we got Arkham Cause he really drives us bats Drives us bats World's greatest detective Drives us bats Warning every evil scheme He really drives us bats Bats, bats He drives us bats
2: Shark repellent.
1: He's tougher than he seems. Other heroes often ask. ask why is he always the top cat? He drives us fast. He drives us fast.